Welcome to the fourth episode of Sean and Ed's Do Baseball. Uh, I'm Sean. I'm Ed's. Uh, and we're going to freebase some baseball right now. All right. We're uh, here to hear a story. Well, I'm here to hear the story. You're here to hear the story. I'm here to hear a story. <laughs> <laughs> starting to sound like the Swedish chef. I'm here to hear the story from here. my friend Sean. He's going to tell me your story. <laughs> okay. So anyway... Last week, I told Sean a story. Well, not last week. <laughs> about a month ago. I told Sean a story about Ray Chapman. You should check that out in our archives. Ray Chapman was a beloved Cleveland shortstop who changed the game by getting hit in the head with a fastball. Interesting story. <laughs> All right. This week, Sean's got one for me, and apparently, it's a doozy. All right. Edzy? Yes? Today, we're hearing the story about Eddie. Eddie? Eddie Waitkiss. Okay. Eddie Have you Waitkiss. ever heard of Eddie Waitkiss before? Nope. First time I've heard his name. Well, you definitely know the story. I do. But I'm going to tell that story better. Okay. <laughs> All right. Born Thursday, September 4th, 1919, Cambridge, that, Massachusetts. That's Dave Duggan's birthday. That's awesome. September 4th, 1919 in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Yep. So I'm doing much better than you did last week because you yep. asked me to repeat the first line. Yep, I know. Okay. Uh, he was born to Lithuanian immigrants. What was his name? Eddie Waitkiss. <laughs> okay, Eddie Waitkiss. Uh, born to Lithuanian immigrant parents. Uh, growing up, he excelled as a student. He was fluent in Lithuanian, Polish, German, and French. And after graduating from Latin High School in Cambridge, the naturally gifted left-handed first baseman played briefly at Boston College and for Lisbon Falls, Maine. Uh, in the National Semi-Pro Baseball Tournament in Wichita, Kansas. Right. Uh, after that, he was signed by the Cubs in 1939. Okay. So uh, he's a Cub. He's a Cub. He's 20 years old. Uh, he starts out in the minor leagues. Doesn't hit for power, but uh, can get on base and doesn't strike out. Uh, so with after joining the Cubs organization in 1939, he hit... 326 in his first year in the minors. Uh, he continued to hit for average and made it to the big leagues for a brief couple of stints in 1941. Uh, he played like six games in April, a couple in May, and then a couple in September. Okay. Uh, in, so he's not like a regular player then? Well, yeah, no, he spent most of that year in the minors and it looked like just for like injuries. So he only had 29 plate appearances and hit a mere uh, 179. That year. Mm -hmm. In 1942... So below the non-existent at that time Mendoza line. Oh, yes. Uh, so in 1942, he was farmed uh, to the LA Angels in the Pacific Coast League, uh, where he finished third in the league, batting 336, and led, this, led the league with 235 hits. So he's becoming like a bigger and bigger prospect. Like, even though he already had like a cup of coffee, he was like... He hadn't even played a double A at that point. So this was technically double A at the time. Uh, okay. Waitkiss was again invited to Cub, Cub Spring training in uh, January 1943. But the following month, he was drafted into the U.S. Army. Mm -hmm. 
uh, as an army corporal in the Pacific, he saw like some pretty intense fighting. Saw some shit. Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, he finished the war with uh, four bronze stars, which is uh, a lot of bronze stars for someone. What's to that know. mean? Uh, it's just an accommodation for being brave in battle or doing something good. Like, oh, okay. My grandpa, I think, had one. But he only had one, so, you know. So this guy four did. times the soldier <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Grandpa. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> uh, in 1944, Watkiss was in the Pacific with the five, 544th Engineer Boat and Shore Regiment, 4th Engineer Special Brigade. He was in Bougainville, New Guinea in March 1944, and then in September 1944, he took part in amphibious landings in Maritai in the Dutch East Indies. In November 1944, National League President Ford Frick received a letter from Watkiss describing the operation as being like stealing home in a ball game. If it worked, swell. If it failed, you looked idiotic. And by idiotic, I assume he means he's dead. dead or like missing legs. Yeah. Oh, look, this guy came back from the war missing his legs. He must have been a moron. <laughs> what a fucking idiot. He's missing his leg. Is that how the, is that is that this is that weight kisses? mentality apparently i guess he was just uh, uh i don't know that's a it's a strange he's out there, in the, he's out there in the battle and he's like <laughs> <laughs> when his buddy gets Come his on, fucking God. arm shot off next we're to him, looking he's like, like idiots <laughs> in uh okay so walk is sent several letters to frick throughout the war and in one i read i didn't include all the letters obviously but i read a full one he, he described the moments of going into the battle like the moments before stepping onto the field on opening day. So this guy was like obsessed with baseball to the point where like <laughs> if his life was about to end, he was like, this is just like when I pitch on opening year, <laughs> when I hit on opening day. <laughs> like, uh, it was, uh, he, he, I don't know why you're like, I mean, I guess they were friends to a certain extent, but, uh, anyways, he ended up playing some baseball as well while he was in the service. Uh, That's not surprising. Yeah. Towards the end of the war in the Philippines, game be games between units were organized. In a game against the 594th Engineer and Boatshore Regiment, $60,000 was wagered by soldiers from the two units. $60,000. Uh, just before the game, he met Fred Mar Martin, a Cardinals pitcher who was a field in a field artillery unit that had no connection to either contending regiments. I had no trouble getting him to agree to pitch, Watkiss recalled. <laughs> Martin didn't belong to our regiment, but we, but we made it legal by having him attached to the 544th for rations and quarters. He pitched a great game for us, winning it 1-0. So he's wheeling and dealing for $60,000. Like, he's, he's a... Well, no, his part in it. Yeah. Uh, he's wheeling and dealing. He's a he's a essentially a general manager in the in this army baseball league. Well, he brought in a ringer. He brought in a ringer for for a very expensive game. Oh, okay. So um, the war ended. Uh, he had been out of organized baseball for three seasons, but he went back to the Cubs and beat out Phil Cavaretta for the first base job. He had 304 in his rookie season and finished 13th in MVP balloting while winning the Rookie of the Year award. He was a popular player with the fans and the sports writers. 
Some of whom called him the Fred Astaire of first baseman. <laughs> the Fred Astaire. Others. So he was singing in the rain at first base. <laughs> he was enjoying himself. Yeah. I guess he was. Guys, I don't mind that it's raining. Let's keep playing. We'll just keep singing in the rain. Playing first base. <laughs> yeah. Uh, others, right other sports writers called him the natural. He took on the trappings of celebrity of a celebrity. He wore a finely he wore finely tailored suits and beautiful shoes. He was well read and very sophisticated. At the plate, he had a wonderful natural swing. Ted Williams called it one of the best swings he had ever seen. Off That's high f- praise. Yeah, off the field, according to his uh, biographer. Watkins was very urbane. He spoke four language he, languages. He was a Civil War historian. He loved ballroom dancing and was not your typical blue-collar baseball player. Sure doesn't sound like it. He earned his first All-Star appearance in 1948, but the Cubs finished 27 and a half games out of first place at the end of 1948 and began to rebuild. Watkins was traded to Philadelphia for a couple of pitchers. Uh, in December of that year. Watkiss returned with the Phillies in June of 1949 for the second time he returned to play the Cubs. If they had to just let that goat in. (laughs) (laughs) Having one of the best seasons of his career at that point uh, with an average of 300 and over 300 and an on-base percentage over 400 uh, as he went into the series. Eddie played well. Oh my god. Excuse you. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry, what team did he get traded to again? The Phillies. The Phillies, okay. He plays for Philadelphia. So Eddie played very well on the afternoon of June fourteenth, nineteen forty nine. He reached base twice and finished up the game with a couple post post game cocktails in the lobby of the Chicago Edgewater Beach Hotel. When a bellboy told him a message was waiting for him at the desk. It was written on a hotel stationery. I feel like this is going to be a plot twist. (laughs) This is where shit gets real. Okay. So. Mr. Watkiss, it's extremely important that I see you as soon as possible. We're not acquainted, but I have something of importance to speak to you about. I think it would be your advantage to let me explain it to you. As I am leaving the hotel the day after tomorrow, I'd appreciate it greatly if you could come see me as soon as possible. My name is Ruth Ann Burns. And I am in 1297A. I realize that this is little out of the or- a little out of the ordinary, but as I said, it's rather important. Please come see me. I won't take up much of your time. So Eddie calls the room. That's weird. Yeah. But I guess if he's got, like, celebrity status, he probably has some admirers, right? Well, Is he married at this point? At this point, also, there, there, what it doesn't say is, is the name Ruth Ann Burns. The last name Burns, like, he knew, he, he knew a Burns in his past. Okay. So he definitely thought it was maybe this person. So he calls the room. This is Eddie Watkins, he says. Come on up to my room right away. The lady's voice on the phone told him, I have a surprise for you. It's a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Ruth Ann Steenhagen. I thought it was Burns. It's not Burns. Oh, okay. Ruth Ann Steen Steinhagen. I think it's Steinhagen. What do you think? E I N. Yeah. Steinhagen. Uh, Steinhagen. Ruth Ann Steinhagen was born December twenty third, nineteen twenty nine. 
she was a 19-year-old baseball Annie, which was kind of like a like a baseball groupie, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So she she was obsessed with the uh, with baseball. Uh, she'd grown up in. She Sus- was like Susan Sarandon in Bull Durham. Yes. Okay. Uh, she she just grew- for context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She grew up in Cicero, where she fixated on one celebrity after another. First was actor Alan Ladd, then our gang act. Uh, uh, Alan Ladd, who is an Our Gang actor. I don't know. I gather that's I a I don't know what that is. Or a play. Uh, also, Cubs outfielder Peanuts Lowry. And then finally, she focused her attention on Waitkiss. She would stand outside the club's ha- Cubs clubhouse, hoping to see him, get his autograph. He talked to her a few times. She read She read upon him on the sports pages. Pages. <laughs> she, she lived with her parents and then and also her sister. The walls of her room were covered in pictures of Eddie Waitkiss. She studied... Red flag. (laughs) Red flag, Uh, Sean. You you can put your hand over it. She also studied Lithuanian, so she'd understand the language of his grandparents. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Another Um, red flag. There you go, yeah. So, um, she told her mother about Waitkiss. She referred to him as Eddie. Speaking as if he were her boyfriend. Me and Eddie this, me and How Eddie that. How many flags does she have? She's got all the flags. Several flags. <laughs> At some point, she began talking about the wedding. Oh, my Me and God. Eddie are going to get married. In 1948, Steinhagen's family sent her to a psychiatrist, but her obsession did not diminish. When Eddie was traded <laughs> to Philadelphia, she was pissed. She blamed, no doubt her boyfriend's traded out of town. She blamed him. Oh, she blamed him completely. He was not just leaving her beloved Cubs. He was leaving her. He was leaving her. The and, life that they were going to have together. Uh, she cried for days. She told her parents she was moving in a, to an apartment in the city to be closer to Eddie. She built a shrine to him in her new apartment. Pictures lit by candles, headlines and scorecards, pennants, stubs from more th- from the fifty games she had gone to to see Eddie. Oh, it's like sending chills up my spine. I know. Uh, <laughs> I love that you said that before I even read this next sentence. Oh no. <laughs> okay. I used to go to all the all the ball games to watch him. Steinhagen would say later. We used to wait for him to get out of the clubhouse after the game. All the time I was watching, I was building in my mind the idea of killing him. Because <laughs> he left. I guess. But even when he was there, like she was like obsessed to the point where if, like, like she might have... This... Anyways, she continued to obsess about Eddie, and in 1949 found out what hotel the Phillies would be staying in. Steinhagen booked a room at the Edgewater beach hotel in chicago on the night of june 14th she gave a busboy an enormous for the time five dollar tip to pass the message along to eddie okay Watkins arrived to her room after he rushed in and like apparently was like what is this and immediately sat down uh, in in the room steen hagen's room yeah being Stein like who Hagen. are you what's going okay, on okay yeah but he like rushed over and sat down because he thought it was the brown, the person named Brown that he knew before. Yes. So, 
Steinhagen had found out that he knew she found she had an old yearbook of his okay from like his high school days and picked like a name from From his class yeah it's like he probably knows brownie yeah exactly yeah so maybe his yearbook was signed by that person (laughs) anyway he comes and he sits down uh steinhagen walked to the closet i have a surprise for you she said Walkis would later say she had a blank expression of psychopathic intensity. The coldest looking face I ever saw. This man was in the war. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently to him it was just a baseball game, so... She came out of the closet with the gun. Walkis held up his hands with a half smile saying, What's going on here? Is this some kind of a joke? What have I done? I'm innocent. She said... "Well, there, there, Okay, I should also put the... There's many different accounts of what she said at this well, who point. Who else was there? It's just that. Okay, so. Uh, but there was lots of, you know, the you'll, you'll find out about the reporting on it a little bit later. Okay. Uh, for, so in one account, I believe in the New York Times, they said, for two years you've been bothering me and now you're going to die. Then shot him. <laughs> the bullet ripped through his right lung, lodging near the spine. As he lay on the floor, Watkiss moaned. Baby, what did you do that for? At first, she didn't think... So he's calling her baby? <laughs> he's, he's, he's the Fred Astaire of first base. Baby, what did you do that for? <laughs> uh, at first, she I didn't... I had plans to sing later on today. <laughs> at first, she it's didn't... It's gonna rain. <laughs> she didn't think she'd hit him at first. Which is weird. Which is weird, considering she hit him in the lung. Yeah, well, he, like, staggered, apparently, before he, like, went down. Like, apparently, it was just like, what? Like, so... They can't see you doing that. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, he staggered and, like, didn't immediately fall to the ground. Uh, But then when he did, uh, she realized she had hit him. She knelt and held his hand, then called the hotel authorities. Uh... I don't know why... She, this is her talking later on. I don't know why... Someone shot my boyfriend. <laughs> I don't know why. I thought, well, now it's time to shoot myself. And I told him. Then I tried to find the bullets, but I couldn't find them. And I lost my nerve. So she, like, kneeled down and was, like, comforting him. And was like, well, it's time I shoot myself now. And he was just like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. But then she didn't. Uh, she knelt by his side she again. She lost the bullets and then didn't want to do it. Yeah. So okay. she called the hotel and was like, I shot somebody up here. And then was like, I'm going to kill myself now. And then was like, where the fuck did I put my bullets? And then was just like, fuck it. I guess I'll just live with this. And then she sat down next to him, held his hand. She later told the psychiatrist, I've dreamt and dreamt about killing him, she said later. And there I was holding him in my arms. Don't you see? All my dreams had come true. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Wakis pleaded with her, please, baby, I need help. Baby, <laughs> I need some help. She ran into the hall and screamed, Eddie Watkins, the baseball player, has been shot. She shouted again, I shot Eddie Wakis. <laughs> Wakis was rushed to the hospital and operated on multiple times and survived. Well, that's good. Uh, the story was a sensation in newspapers. No doubt. And 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 basically, a, 
a myriad of celebrity stalking in later decades, including the killing of John Lennon. Like, it was, like, the first, like, celebrity... Not the first, but, like, one of the first major yeah. like, celebrity famous person being stalked and killed by someone who thinks that they're attached to them. Uh, reporters devoured and trumpeted this lurid story of the 19-year-old baseball groupie known in the parlance of the day as a baseball Annie. Among the sensational and probably staged photos at the time, one showed her writing in her journal at the table in her jail cell with a framed photograph of Waitkiss propped up <laughs> nearby. <laughs> right, we're going to take a photo of you in jail. You're writing him a letter. You got the signed photo of Waitkiss. <laughs> this is the news. <laughs> Well, see, I thought sensationalism was a new thing. Apparently, apparently it's already apparently it's always not. been there. Um, let's see. Uh, Steinhagen was arrested and arraigned on June 30th, uh, which is weird considering that this happened on June 14th, I believe. So two weeks later. <laughs> Why? Apparently, according to one account I read from her, that she was just like, I could have just like left. They were just like attending to him, and nobody was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so she. Oh my was... God, Eddie! <laughs> yeah, Eddie, are so you she... okay? Wait, it's been two weeks. Has anyone checked what's happening with that girl? Yeah, questioned about the shooting, she told police she didn't know why she had done it, telling an assistant state's attorney that she wanted to do something exciting with her life. Steinhagen indicated that she had planned to stab him, but used the gun. And then used the gun to shoot herself, but changed her plans when he quickly came in and took a seat. So that's like a weird shit. Just like I didn't. I was gonna stab him, 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 but he came and sat down. So I was like (laughs) shooting him, (laughs) and I lost my spare bullets, so I didn't kill myself. She, uh, yeah, planned on shooting herself, but did not. Could not find the bullets for. Couldn't find the bullets, and then couldn't find the nerve. In. A non-surprising twist, Steinhagen was declared insane by a judge and committed to a state hospital, the Kankakee State Hospital, where she would spend only three years. Uh, Okay. In a hearing, asked if she'd do, (laughs) asked what she'd do if she got out. She said she'd finish what she started. (laughs) And she was only there for three years. Yeah, Eddie is the only one worth killing. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't understand that. Like, I, she did get out after three years. What but... kind of 180 did she pull in order to be... Or they were just like, well... They only said you gotta be here for three years, so... Well, no, the doctors were like, no, she's better now. She, like, said she won't murder anybody. And besides, she'll only kill this guy, so, like, as long as we keep her away from him... We're all right. <laughs> we're all good. So, uh, it, it, like, yeah. Uh, Crazy. Yeah. Stein, or, uh, Wakis did not press civil charges against Steinhagen after she was released, uh, telling an s- assistant state's attorney that he just wanted to forget the incident altogether. Um, okay. After her release, Steinhagen moved home and lived with her parents and younger sister in her parents' small apartment in the north side of Chicago, which is still probably close enough to Wrigley. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, she, she shunned the pl- publicity in the ensuing decades and was rarely heard from. Uh, until she died. 
uh, 29-year-old Waitkiss was hitting 306 when he was shot. He did not don a Phillies uniform for the remainder of the season, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, he been shot. Yeah. However, on August 19th, the ball club sponsored an Eddie Waitkiss night, during which the ball player was inundated with gifts. Excuse me. Waitkiss returned to the Phillies. Come li- get a bobblehead complete with bullet wounds. <laughs> <laughs> Waitkiss returned to the Phillies lineup for opening day 1950, going three from five as their starting first baseman. He played 154 games that year, batted 284, and only struck out 29 times. He finished 24th in good. MVP voting. So, nice. uh, yeah, you know, pretty solid year. After he rebounded being shot. after being <laughs> shot in the lung. He would go on to play five more years and maintain the ability to make contact, hitting for average and very rarely striking out. The shooting changed him and clearly haunted him for the rest of his life. Well, I would imagine it would. Yeah, it's the. Uh, but he. <laughs> you were stalked by somebody and then they were like, hey, come on up to my hotel room. I'm just going to get this gun out of the closet and shoot you. He was also a veteran, too. Yeah. That's a a lot of trauma for one life. Um, He said later to Sport Life magazine in 1950, the loneliest part of it, the pain was part of it, but it was deeper than that. There was an awful doubt in my mind, and no matter how I tried to ignore it, I always knew it was there. Just like a weird, like, yeah, that'd be a pretty violating experience. Yeah. Just like, because he probably had really no idea that this girl was like following him and, and no. worshiping him. So, no, because, well, she, the first way she contacted him was by slipping a busboy $5 and putting a fake name on a note. Yeah. Well, he, so he had trouble keeping weight on. Clearly suffered from anxiety and probably PTSD. PTSD, yeah. Uh, And uh, 1955 was the last year he'd play baseball. Starting the year with the Orioles before being released in July, and he finished up with the Phillies for the end of his career. In the end, Waitkiss had a solid but not spectacular career. He was a two-time All-Star and finished with 1,214 hits in 1,140 MLB games. So, like, more hits than games, which is That's pretty good. Pretty solid. He hit, right. like, no home runs. Yeah. He hit, like, five home runs a year at best. Um, amazingly, he struck out 204 times over 11 seasons. To put that in perspective, Joey Gallo struck out 207 times last, last year. Season. Yeah. <laughs> so... In 11 years playing baseball, I guess it would be 10 and a half because of the one he lost to being shot. And you say he was a contact hitter. He was a contact hitter. He didn't strike out. He didn't walk much either. So he didn't have a huge on-base percentage. But that one year before he was getting shot, he had a 400 on-base. So he's he put everything together that year. Yeah. He was also an all-star that year, if I didn't mention that. Like, yeah, I think Even he though did. he was shot and not able to play in the all-star <laughs> game. <laughs> um, so he had a very solid career. In later years, he became an instructor at the Ted Williams Summer Baseball Camp. He worked as a floor manager at a department store in Waltham, Massachusetts, until he died from cancer of the esophagus at Veterans Administration Hospital in Boston. On September 16, 1972, he was 53 years old. 
On August 21st, 1952, Bernard Malamud's book, The Natural, was published. The novel is said uh, to have been okay. inspired by Watkins' life, at least the beginning of it, at least. Right. Uh, as the plot follows, the baseball prodigy named Roy Hobbs, whose career is sidetracked when he's lured to a hotel room and shot by a woman. It had been alternately suggested that the shooting incident might be inspired by Chicago Cubs shortstop Billy Jurgis, who was shot by a showgirl who he was romantically linked to. But there's little to no evidence to really support that second claim, where there's more, kind of, to support yeah. the Wade Kisses claim. Uh, it's weird. The Cubs had a lot of people shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, in 1984, of Chicago's course... a dangerous town. Yeah. In 1984, of course, it was adapted into a film, uh, The Natural, starring uh, Robert Redford, Robert Redford. as Roy, Roy Hobbs. And it kind of that solidified it as like an American baseball lore story for that movie. That movie's a good movie. Yeah, if you haven't seen movie. The Natural, see The yeah. Natural. I have seen The Natural, but not in a in a while. And I actually like forgot about that. Um, yeah, I was wondering in as as you were going through that, I was like, how? Why does he think I know this story about this stalker? Like, you know about it. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah. Once you brought it back there at the end, I was like, oh yeah, okay, I get it, I get it, yeah. But yeah, fuck. Is that it? Is that your? Oh no, it was. Uh, well, Ruth Ann Steinhagen died December 29th, two thousand twelve, at eighty three. Her death. She was still. She was still rocking around until, until to that she outlived all her her little sister and her parents, lived a quiet Fuck. life. I don't even know if she ever like married or anything. Like obviously that's a pretty big setback. <laughs> I don't think there'd yeah. be too many suitors after all the. Uh... <laughs> There's no one compared to Eddie. Yeah. Well, and especially because not only that, but like you became she became a de facto celebrity just because of the sensationalism of the news story too right yeah so it's not like people she couldn't be like hey i'm ruth how are you people would be like oh <laughs> man killer <laughs> you tried to shoot you tried to shoot that guy the fred astaire first yeah, the- <laughs> <laughs> i think uh, I, when i when i read when i first found this story uh i was basically yeah i just I just happened to we were looking at some baseball trivia, and it just mentioned Eddie Waitkiss as the inspiration to the natural. Mm-hmm. So I just looked into you know his career and stuff, and and there is a lot of difference. The natural, obviously, Roy Hobbs is like a prodigy, and then he gets shot before he even like makes it, and ends up making his debut when he's like already in his thirties because he's you know yeah. So obviously, Waitkiss had played baseball, and Waitkiss could not hit a home run into the fucking lights if he tried. <laughs> yeah. He had twenty nine. Yeah, but he didn't have one. Did he have Wonderbat or Wonderboy? I don't know. I don't think he did. Yeah, no. All right. Well, this has been the story of Eddie Waitkiss. Well, thanks. That was that was a doozy of a story. Yeah. And uh, join us next time. Edzie will be bringing it hard uh, with something. Yeah, I'm sure I'll figure something out. (laughs) I saw I I I saw a couple of things that might inspire me to to tell you a story next time so tune in next time tune in above for uh our latest episode of the bird baby birds podcast follow us on twitter at bird baby birds and at the ed 17 and that's sean 
And he's Eds. And we've been doing some baseball. All right.